again, when you leave the hospital, if you're birthing in a hospital on your discharge paperwork, oftentimes they'll say like, okay, we'll call if you're having thoughts of harming yourself and your baby, like 100%. Yes, definitely call if you have thoughts of harming yourself and your baby, but that is not the threshold. Like you should not be waiting until you have thoughts of harming yourself and your baby to be reaching out for help. You deserve to feel good. Like another thing I hear a lot is, oh, you need to take care of your mental health because you need to be there for your baby. Happy mom equals happy baby. And it's like in relationship to the baby, I am here to tell you that you deserve to feel good because you as a person on your own, independent of your baby are worthy of feeling good. And I'm not sure if anyone else is going to tell you that. So I'm going to tell you that. Welcome to Our Village Circle, a podcast centered around authentic sharing, honest storytelling, and elevating the voices of parents and professionals alike to demystify the realities of new parenthood. We understand on a visceral level that with the joy of your new human also comes every other emotion under the sun. We want you to feel seen, heard, known, and held in this life-altering stage. We wholeheartedly believe that everyone's story has something powerful to offer others as they navigate their own journey. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I am your host, Jaylee Turner, and today we have a special treat in store for you, a preview of our signature webinar, Preparing for a Smooth Postpartum. I started this webinar in January after teaching a series of childbirth ed classes where I got to the postpartum portion of the class and repeatedly said, oh my gosh, I could make an entire class out of this. And then finally, after one of the classes, a student came up to me and said, you should make that class. And I thought, you know what? I should. So I did. I created this class with the intention of filling in the gaps that I saw in people's preparation for having a baby. There were lots of classes out there for preparing for birth. There were lots of classes out there for learning how to care for a newborn. There were lots of classes out there for learning how to breastfeed, but I didn't see anything out there that covered what the postpartum time is for the new parents, which is kind of crazy. If you think about it, I almost consider preparing for your birth, but not your postpartum, the equivalent of planning and preparing for a wedding, but not really giving much thought to the marriage itself. And I know people do that, but it's not recommended and usually doesn't end well. (laughs) So this webinar is a virtual class and it's all via Zoom and it solely focuses on how the newborn parents can care for themselves. We talk about the massive hormonal shifts that occur in the hours, days, and weeks and months after your baby is born, as your body adjusts from pregnancy, we talk about nourishment. We talk about how to feed yourself after baby arrives because eating healthy in postpartum is different than it is at any other time in your life. We also talk about navigating your changing relationships with your partner, your family, your friends, which is something that can really come as an unexpected surprise for many people. We also talk about how to communicate boundaries surrounding visitors, unsolicited advice, personal space, helpers, figuring out who your helpers are going to be 
My aim is to help you become clear on all of the above and more. I take you on a journey through the whole first year and what your expectations should be, how to care for yourself and navigating those changes that you will go through in that first year. Today, I'm going to share with you an excerpt from the last time I taught this webinar. So the small portion is about the emotional recovery after giving birth and what that can look like. This is only one of eight sections of the webinar. So if you like what you hear and you want to learn more, we do have another one coming up on June 20th at 7.30 p.m. I have a link in our show notes where you can register for the webinar and I'm offering our Village Circle listeners an exclusive discount. So when you sign up for the class, be sure to enter the promo code PODCAST10, and that will give you 10% off your class registration. The class includes two hours of virtual instruction via Zoom, a recording from the session, time for a Q&A afterwards, a file with all of our class handouts and class materials, our signature postpartum resource list, and a special bonus of an ebook that I made with recipes that you can meal prep ahead for your postpartum time. So again, the link is in our show notes to register for this webinar, and the discount code is PODCAST10 to get 10% off. Without further ado, here is your free preview. Those first six weeks after giving birth are going to be the most important time in your postpartum recovery. How you treat yourself during this time can really pay dividends for your subsequent months and years after giving birth. It really is an investment in the next 20 years. So during these first six weeks after giving birth, take as many responsibilities off of your plate as humanly possible. This is exhaustion and depletion prevention. When we are depleted, this also affects our emotional health, which brings us to our next section, emotional healing. So there's physical recovery after giving birth, but one thing that is not given enough time and space is the emotional recovery after pregnancy and birth. Regardless of how a birth occurs and regardless of how pregnancy has gone, Every person who gives birth typically goes through three psychological stages of postpartum and they go through them at their own pace. There's some things that are typical, but the timeline overall is like pretty wibbly wobbly, but there's three main stages. There's the taking in stage, the taking hold stage and the letting go stage. So we are going to start with stage one, which is taking in. Typically this will last one to two days. This is from the moment of birth until about 48-ish hours after birth. Some people move through it quicker. Some people take a little longer. But during this time, typically the birthing person will be oriented more toward their own needs. So they will be focused on sleeping, eating. They might be quite passive and dependent during this time. And they may or may not initiate contact with the infant. If they don't, it's not out of disinterest usually. It, it's usually a result of their own immediate dependency. So, the, you know, you've just given birth. That was a very big feat, regardless of how long or short or intense it was, or whether you gave birth vaginally or via cesarean, you just went through a lot. So you have immediate needs that need to be met. It's really an important stage in realizing that the baby has been born and also 
an important stage in identifying your baby as now being outside of you and separate from you because it it happens pretty quickly once it happens you know all of a sudden baby's inside of you and then they're not so there's some processing that needs to happen there for support people the best way that you can help is advocating for the birthing person to be able to rest as much as possible, limiting interruptions, advocating for quiet hours, advocating if you're in the hospital for what's called cluster care. So when nurses are doing rounds now in the hospital, there's two patients in the postpartum wing, right? So there's mom, there's baby. Cluster care would mean that instead of doing the nurse visit to do all of mom's vitals, and then leaving and then coming back and doing another visit to do baby's vitals. They could do mom and baby's vitals in the same visit. That would cut down on one interruption every hour. The postpartum wing in the hospital kind of starts feeling like a revolving door because you have like people coming in. I'm not talking about your personal visitors. I'm talking about like hearing screening, rounds for mom, rounds for baby, vitals, if there's any complications, monitoring the complications, birth certificate, the people who bring your tray of food, the people who clean up your tray of food, people who come to clean the room. Like, it's just like, it's nonstop in the postpartum wing. So anything you can do to cut down on that visitor load is really helpful in that taking in stage, just to allow the birthing person space to process space to rest. Oftentimes they're also like, I see people during this stage, this taking in stage, they're really trying to process the birth. Like it's not uncommon for someone in this taking in stage to want to talk to every single person that walks in the room about the birth experience, to share the birth story, to ask questions of the people that were in the room of the birth. Like they're trying to piece together what just happened. And it's important to have that time and space to process the birth experience. Some things that might interrupt this taking in process, baby being swept away, whether this be necessarily or unnecessarily immediately or shortly following the birth and NICU stay can be disruptive to this time and lots of visitors immediately after the birth that can also be really disruptive for someone who's working through this taking in stage. Taking hold is the next stage. This typically lasts around 10-ish days. And this is usually where we see moms start to strive for a little more autonomy and start to initiate caretaking of the infant. One thing that support people can do during this phase to be really helpful is allow the birthing person to actually perform infant care tasks if they are initiating them reinforcing all positive actions. So, you know, don't, don't impose yourself. If, if they want to do something one way, allow them to find their own way. And unsolicited advice can be really disruptive of this stage. Lots of reassurance and validation and encouragement is usually needed during this taking hold phase. You're figuring out your baby. You're figuring out how to take care of them. Things that could interrupt this phase, criticism, unsolicited advice from others, not allowing mom to care for baby, a NICU stay, obviously, because the care looks a lot different with a NICU stay. This phase, this taking hold phase is, again, usually about 10 days. And it's also associated with a phenomenon that you may have heard of before called the baby blues. 
So the baby blues, it refers to a really common fluctuation of emotions and hormones that happen after birth. It affects like 75 to 80% of new parents. And this is just people who reported it. I would venture to guess that that number is actually more like 95%. Usually begins about two to three days after birth, which is right around the time that your milk comes in. So again, you're producing a new hormone, prolactin. It makes sense. There's a hormone shift there. It lasts about two weeks typically. And it's really common to feel sad, weepy, impatient, irritable, often at random. If this persists past the two to three week mark, call the provider who you gave birth with, your midwife, your OB. Oftentimes when you leave the hospital, they'll give you all these discharge papers and they'll say, if you are feeling sad beyond two weeks, or if you're having thoughts of harming yourself and your baby, reach out, but they don't tell you who to reach out to. And oftentimes people feel stuck in the like, wait, who am I supposed to call about this? My primary care provider? Am I supposed to do the work of finding a psychiatrist, like a therapist? Like, what do I do? The person you need to call is your pregnancy care provider. That is who you call. So After this taking hold phase passes, we move into the third psychological stage of postpartum, and it's also the longest, and this stage is called letting go. It typically occurs after the birthing person has returned home. The birthing person may experience a letdown feeling, baby blues. It's really important to know the difference between baby blues and warning signs of a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. We're going to talk about that a bit more later. But things that can disrupt this letting go process, things such as bounce back culture, societal expectations to just get back to normal life after having a baby, even comments on the birthing person's body, whether they be positive or negative. So even a comment that says, you don't even look like you had a baby, like that can also be disruptive to this letting go process invalidating the birthing person's experience, whether it be something about their birth story, whether it be just the real hardships of adjusting to life with a baby comments such as, oh, just wait until they're walking, or you think that's bad, just wait until this, or the favorite old chestnut, if someone's like trying to process something in their birth that they're not happy with, a comment such as, well, at least you have a healthy baby or a healthy baby is the most important thing. Enjoy every moment. Comments like that can really be disruptive to this letting go process. It's a very big life adjustment and it deserves time, space, and respect. Some really normal emotions during this letting go phase. It lasts a long time. Yeah, I would venture to say that it lasts up to the first year. You might find yourself oscillating between excitement and joy, overwhelm, sadness, crying, irritability, often without explanation. And if your birth didn't go as planned, there could be some disappointment. That's really normal. Just giving yourself a lot of grace during that first year. You're learning, your life has changed. Things are really different and that is an adjustment. So there's lots of factors that influence the postpartum period. And there are some questions we should ask ourselves. So You're recovering from pregnancy and childbirth. Those are massive undertakings. So something you could ask yourself is, do I believe that I deserve this time of rest, healing, and bonding with my baby? Another thing to consider is that babies are really demanding. They require 24-7 tending, and they give no craps about whether you are rested or nourished enough 
and you're really figuring them out. Every baby is so different. It's a lot of trial and error. It takes a tremendous amount of energy. I love this quote by Jim Gaffigan. He said, babies are the worst roommates. They're unemployed. They don't pay rent. They keep insane hours. Their hygiene is horrible. If you had a roommate that did any of the things that babies do, you would ask them to move out. And truly that couldn't be more true. One thing that my husband and I said to each other nonstop when we had our first, when we were like adjusting to just the relentless, like they don't care if you're tired, they just cry. We, we used to say to each other, like, if this was a relationship between two adults and not like a parent and a baby, this would completely be considered an abusive relationship. (laughs) It's just really relentless. So one thing to ask yourself would be how comfortable am I with new challenges and situations and who can I call if slash when I get frustrated, scared, or confused. Another thing to consider is that after visitors die down, you are going to be spending thousands of hours alone with a newborn. So one thing to consider would be, how will it feel to be alone with a tiny baby? How will it feel to step out of the business of my life and do very little? And who can you turn to on the good days? Who will be there on the days where you're feeling blue? Who can you call? Your relationship with your partner will change. We'll talk about that more later. New parenthood is really a study in paradox. You are very likely to experience conflicting emotions all at the same time. And this can be really, really draining as you negotiate the simultaneous experience of like agitation and adoration or like fatigue and bliss and frustration and calm. Like it's a lot of conflicting emotions all at the same time. So asking yourself, How do I navigate conflicting emotions? And do you have someone that you can count on that will listen to you without judgment or the need to dole out advice? A biggie is that babies eat all the time. This was what caught me the most off guard when I had my baby. They eat all the time. So feeding consumes the majority of your energy during the first 40 days, but the quality and frequency of food that you feed yourself is equally important during this time. And we're going to talk more about nutrition later, but it's really important to note that if you're not getting your energy from sleep, you need to be getting it from somewhere. So Something to consider might be who is going to make food for your family and you during the early weeks with baby and how open are you to new flavors? Are you comfortable requesting certain dishes? But the most important thing is that you give yourself grace as you adjust to these changes. It can be really, really easy to allow the self-judge to creep in, but if that voice begins to take over, it's time to seek out professional help. Processing your birth story is an incredibly underrated, but really important part of integrating into your new life as a parent. It doesn't matter how your birth went, whether it was like the most dream, beautiful birth, everything you could have ever asked for, or just completely not what you expected. Often in the hustle and bustle of the birth of baby and visitors and logistics, it can be really easy to miss out on processing your birth story. Regardless of how your birth went, it's so important to talk it through with the people who were there and present in the room to ask questions, to help fill in the blanks because you don't always remember everything and also allow any feelings that are associated with various parts of your story to be there. At least mom and baby are healthy is like a very common comment that you hear from people throughout pregnancy and after baby is born. 
in my opinion, it's a really easy way to dismiss and bypass the important process of making sense of your birth story. So please don't allow yourself to be gaslit. Please don't gaslight yourself. Share your story with people who are able to and deserve the privilege of holding space for your experience. This is where a doula comes in handy. There's also a modality called birth story medicine. I recently certified in this actually. So if you feel like there are some like sticky or hairy parts of your story or just things that aren't sitting right with you, that can be a really, really great modality to work with a birth story medicine practitioner to help process those parts of the birth story. And what's unique about birth story medicine is that we are trauma-informed and also unlike talk therapy, we have a knowledge of birth, which can be really, really helpful for people that are trying to process or trying to understand something that happened. So that is something that I offer. That's also something that if after the fact you wanted to do with me because you took this class, you would receive a discount for that. You could use the discount code that I send to you all to receive a discount on that if that is something that you want. Another really common thing and something that can come as a shock to many new moms is intrusive thoughts. Some people are really surprised when they experience anything less than happy thoughts after their baby is born. But for the vast majority of new moms, it's actually really common to have scary, unwanted, intrusive thoughts after birth. A really good resource for this is a book called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts by Karen Kleiman. It's like a comic book, but every page in that book can be so validating for someone who's in the throes of new parenthood. It's a great coffee table book. It's something you could pick up at any time while you're feeding baby. I would highly recommend getting it. Managing intrusive thoughts begins with your mental health. It's really important for new moms to take steps to manage their mental health. And a really easy first step to take is seeing a counselor or a therapist and sharing your thoughts and worries. I've actually had a few parents who during pregnancy, whether they have a history of mental health issues or not, have preemptively reached out to a counselor and scheduled appointments for themselves throughout their third trimester for preparation for new baby and also like weekly after baby arrives for a while to help them through that adjustment. And the people I know who have done that have really recommended it. There was a study recently published in BMC Psychiatry that found preliminary evidence that having intrusive thoughts does not increase the chances that you will harm your baby or your body. And you can put this fear to rest too. A lot of people don't share that they have intrusive thoughts because they are scared that CPS is going to come and take their baby if they share it with anyone, but they are thoughts. They are not actions. No one's going to take away your baby for only having thoughts, but it is important to let your midwife or OBGYN know right away. If you are having thoughts of harming your baby or yourself, intrusive thoughts are a symptom of OCD. They can interfere with the bonding relationship of parent and child. So the sooner you reach out, the sooner you can get help that you need for both of you. And it's also important to care for your own health. So how do we do that? There's a lot of ways to care for your health, but in postpartum, we are in survival mode. There's not a whole lot of time for anything other than feeding and taking care of a baby. So we're going back to the basics here, taking care of your Maslow's hierarchy first. So food, hydration, sleep. 
I always tell my postpartum doula clients, whenever baby is settled, ask yourself three questions. Do I need food? Do I need a drink? Do I need sleep? And only when the answer to all three of those questions is yes, do you move on to anything else? Usually it's a shower, baby steps, but really staying down to the basics, taking care of your Maslow's is of utmost importance. As far as environment, changing your scenery often, and that can be just from like room to room. That could be from inside to outside on your deck or in your yard, going on walks. You can even change your environment by simply throwing on some music or throwing on a favorite podcast. All of these things can really make a difference and taking time outs if you're starting to feel overwhelmed. Another thing that's really important for caring for your mental health is being authentic with your feelings. Don't say you're feeling good if you're not. So having trusted people around as well that can hold space for your real feelings is really important. Community is important. Finding a community of people in the same stage of life as you that you click with, whether that be virtual or in person, there's lots of groups on Facebook. There's also lots of like online support groups for new parents. These can be like a lifeline for a lot of people. Protecting your vibe, utilizing your unfollow button. So inevitably, if you're up at 3 a.m., you're feeding your baby, like the first thing that most people reach out for is their phone. When they open their phone, they're often opening Instagram, they're opening Facebook, TikTok, et cetera. Make sure that you're being very mindful of what you're consuming. I don't have a problem with getting on Facebook, getting on Instagram, but if there's any like mommy account or thing that starts talking about like the choices that you make as a parent and what's best for baby, et cetera, et cetera, and it starts making you feel bad about yourself or defensive or if it's triggering for you in any way, hit the unfollow button. Don't hesitate. doesn't matter who it is. Reaching out for support, consider support from a postpartum doula, a therapist, reaching out to your care provider if you're struggling, really prioritizing your mental health above everything is super important during this time. When you're doing all of these things and you still feel terrible, it may be time to seek out additional help. Perinatal mood and anxiety disorders are the number one complication of childbirth. The most common one we hear about is postpartum depression, but it's not limited to postpartum depression. As you can see here, there's lots of different varieties of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. 30% of new parents are diagnosed with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And again, I would venture to guess that there is a much higher percentage that actually suffer from PMADs. It's the number one complication of childbirth. Many people don't realize that they were suffering until they're looking in hindsight. I cannot tell you how many people I have shared my postpartum experience with for only for them to look at me and say, you know, I didn't see it at the time, but in hindsight, I definitely had postpartum depression, or I definitely had postpartum anxiety, or I definitely had PTSD or OCD. It's extremely common. And if it's left untreated, it can really have devastating impacts. So what should you be looking out for? Some common symptoms of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, persistent, prolonged feelings of sadness, anger, guilt, hopelessness, fear, overwhelming fatigue, loss of interest in daily life, including things that formerly sparked joy, ruminating on something, spiraling out, repetitive thoughts, repetitive behaviors, 
essentially like an inability to zoom out and see the forest from the trees could be indicative of a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. A really common symptom, and this is often the one where I see a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder get missed, is over-functioning. So you're doing all the things and, or people who like ask for help, but then they don't actually allow the people that they asked to help to help overposting on social media. A lot of like, look at how great I'm doing. Like sometimes underneath the surface of that is some depression or anxiety, episodes of rage or tearfulness, persistent thoughts of harming yourself or your baby. So again, when you leave the hospital, if you're birthing in a hospital, on your discharge paperwork, oftentimes they'll say like, okay, we'll call if you're having thoughts of harming yourself and your baby. Like 100%, yes, definitely call if you have thoughts of harming yourself and your baby, but that is not the threshold. Like you should not be waiting until you have thoughts of harming yourself and your baby to be reaching out for help. You deserve to feel good. Like another thing I hear a lot is, oh, you need to take care of your mental health because you need to be there for your baby. Happy mom equals happy baby. And it's like in relationship to the baby, I am here to tell you that you deserve to feel good because you as a person on your own, independent of your baby are worthy of feeling good. And I'm not sure if anyone else is going to tell you that. So I'm going to tell you that. Some really common treatments for perinatal and mood disorders are listed here. If your insurance does not cover talk therapy, look into practices that work on a sliding scale. Many do, especially for people in the postpartum time. As far as medication goes, a lot of folks are nervous and apprehensive about starting medications, and that is a completely valid and natural way to feel. And I understand that because I felt that way too. I had never taken any mental health medications prior to my first postpartum. And in hindsight, prior to having children, I probably was a good candidate for some sort of medical help, but I was able to manage my mental health with lifestyle stuff. So like I had a lot of time I could cook, I could exercise, journal, meditation, et cetera. I had no kids. I had tons of time and having kids took away my time. And it took a while for me to recognize that I needed help. It was, I think, seven months before I reached out to my provider. And during those seven months, I was trying to manage my mental health in the same ways. And I still didn't feel like myself. So for me, mental health medication was life-changing and life-saving. A, a big common fear that I hear from people is that they're afraid it's going to numb out your emotions and you're just going to be like deadpan. If you need the medications, like that's probably not going to be the case. All it will do is just allow you space not to spin out on your emotions. <laughs> we would never expect someone with a thyroid issue or diabetes to refuse medication that could stabilize their body's chemistry. I think the same goes for mental health meds. That's just my personal testimonial, but you know what is right for you. It's important that you take care of yourself. And so now we're going to talk about nourishment in the postpartum time. Building a baby requires a lot of your body. And whether you like it or not, your body will allot the nutrients that you do have in your body to your baby. It's really important to keep your reserves replenished so that your body has something left once it's all said and done. So I'm going to talk very briefly here about weight loss because it's very normal to begin thinking about that at some point after baby arrives. 
So the thing is, is that your body is recovering from pregnancy and birth, which by the way, like it, that was the better part of a year of your life. So your body has a lot of nutrients to recoup. Your body is not going to be able to lose weight if your system is depleted. And if you are depleted, it will literally put your body into a fight or flight response. And what do our bodies do when our survival is threatened? It holds onto weight. The metabolism slows and you start holding onto your fat reserves. So the best way to support your body in its health is to take care of its health, not its weight. And the postpartum body has very, very different nutritional needs than any other time in your life. Your body is not the same as it was before. So at this point, you might be thinking, what do you mean? So this is what I mean. This is a list of the nutrients that are most commonly depleted from your body via pregnancy and postpartum. It's very important to continue taking your prenatal vitamin in the postpartum period. After this course is done, again, you're going to get a link to this client portal. In that portal is going to be a list of recommended prenatal vitamins to help you decide what will be best for you, depending on your budget, your nutritional needs, etc. So that's it for your free preview. If this left you wanting more, you can register for our next webinar on June 20th at 7.30 p.m. using the link in our show notes and use code podcast10 to get 10% off. This only scratched the surface of what we cover in this class. I'm really proud of what I've made here and we have actually lots of dates coming up for the rest of the year. So if June 20th doesn't work for you, but you're still interested, check out some of the other dates on the website. I would love to see you there. Join us next time as we speak with Jamie Mose, who has been serving the San Diego community as a body worker and massage therapist for 20 years, specializing in pregnant families. She is the creator of the Dances Approach to Prenatal Bodywork and Birthing from Within's course, Touch from Within. She's also the co-author and illustrator of the book, The Breach Release, Opening Pathways for Midwifery and Prenatal Bodywork. Her approach to birth support and her own spiritual path transformed utterly when she discovered Birthing from Within in 2013, and she started mentoring childbirth classes soon after the introductory training. She has since had advanced training as a birth story listener, and this is what we will be discussing next week, the power and impact of our birth stories and deep listening as a mode of healing. This conversation was so impactful for me that immediately after we finished, I signed up to train as a birth story listener myself. This was six months ago, I just finished my training and wow, when I tell you that this process is transformational, I am in no way exaggerating. I can't wait for you to hear this discussion. If you like what you hear, feel free to follow, like, and share this podcast with anyone you feel may benefit. We have a great community on Instagram and Facebook at Our Village Circle And our website is www.ourvillagecircle.com. Until next time, bye-bye.